you're never going to have all the answers and don't be afraid to go in and face a challenge without the answer. That's Matt Hollingshead, the CEO of HiFire, a web and mobile app developer based in Hamilton, Canada. Matt has built several agencies across a few consumer industries over the last 19 years. Back in 1999, Matt and some friends launched their first agency called Factory, which ended up generating 1 million in sales within its first 24 months. Today, Matt is the CEO of HiFire, a web and mobile development shop that's working with Fortune 500 companies and fast growth startups. What Matt is talking about is what it's really like to launch a startup or an agency, that you just need to do it, do the best you can at it, and learn along the way. A topic we'll explore from many angles over the course of this episode. This is Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Today we're speaking with Matt Hollingshead, the CEO of HiFire, a web and mobile app developer based in Hamilton, Canada. Matt joins us to share his story, how he got into business, what it's been like building various consumer agencies over the last 19 years, why it's important to work hard and talk about that work, how he sees the future of freelancing and studios evolving, and much more. So let's get started. Hey Matt, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, Frank and I are extremely excited to have you on the show to learn more about yourself, your time in startups, and building agencies. But before we get into what you're currently up to today, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study? Yeah, so I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, and I'm still in Hamilton. You know, I spent a bit of time working in Toronto, but for the most part, I've been trying to trying to build something here in Hamilton. My background is I was a university dropout. I went to university for business for a very short period of time. And from that, went and got a few jobs that I really didn't enjoy. So I figured it was time to find something I loved. I went to art school, of all things, and studied fine arts. And from there, I happened to be lucky enough to get a job with a woman who was building websites for the government. And she gave me a, a chance to sort of learn to program HTML and, you know, back in the day, way back in the day. Between the art side and, and the, the coding side, it kind of launched a, a digital career pretty early on in the game. So where did your passion for business and startups come from? Uh, you know, I think that's the the funny part is having gone to business school and university and, and dropping out, I, obviously I wasn't ready for it. But uh, when I think back to as a kid, we used to live near a golf course and my friends and I would spend a huge amount of time uh, hunting for golf balls out on, you know, in the woods on the course and then selling them back to the golfers on the course. From that, we kind of thought, oh, we can buy a case of pop and some chips for a pretty, you know, small amount of money and sell them again to the golfers. And we started doing that and then we got kicked off. <laughs> so that was sort of probably our first foray into actually doing business, not even thinking about it other than, you know, trying to make a couple of bucks as a kid. But from there, I've always sort of tried different things, tried to, to sell things. I've had paper routes, you know, had a job pretty early on as a teenager. But I don't think it was really until I had a chance to sort of discover discover the art side, discover the tech side that I really found something I was passionate about and and that really did it actually translate pretty easily into to running your own company especially as a one-man show in the beginning it, you know it lends itself to freelance work and so from there it kind of just shaped itself into building companies around it 
That's cool. So further along that path of discovering your passions and starting a career, in 1999, you launched your own agency called Factory. So where did that idea come from and what motivated you to start your own thing? Yeah, so I think uh, I think at that point I'd had a couple of couple of jobs doing uh, design and HTML, and I had some freelance clients, and you know what, I had a couple other other friends who were were doing something similar, and we kind of all just decided to get together and start this uh, this agency. At first, we started working sort of in the same building together, working on projects together under different companies, but um, it just kind of made sense in the end. The talent, uh, you know, we were complementary to each other, and we didn't know what else we were doing. Really, at the end of the day, we were young and it seemed like a pretty reasonable idea just to start a company. So out of that, again, we, you know, the business, when you start something like that and you, you're freelancing, it tends to build great word of mouth happens when you're doing good work. And next thing we know, we were we were a company of eight or nine people before we were even had any idea what we were doing at all. So it was fun. It was fun. It was challenging. I learned a lot from it. Yeah, there's no better way of getting started than getting together with a group of friends or people you respect and want to build cool things with. Yeah, absolutely. And that company's still up and running today in Hamilton and doing really well. So I'm always a little, pr- a little proud and a little jealous all at the same time. So 1999, that was a pretty big year in tech. What was it like launching an agency back then? What were some of the biggest challenges? Yeah, so I think probably one of the hardest ones is we were in Hamilton, and Hamilton at the time was not an easy place to start a tech business. It was the clientele here was was not fantastic. We didn't have any real outreach, you know, in a major way outside of of Hamilton for building new business. You know what? It's it, it was a totally different environment at the time. There was a bit of you know there was a bit of activity in the tech sector as a whole when you think about it, and, and there was a lot happening. But being a little insulated in a smaller town made it very difficult. So we were lucky enough to land some pretty key clients right off the bat. We did a lot of work with a video game publishing company that um, gave us a ton of work and they were out of the London area and that spilled into, you know, they introduced us to another gaming company where I actually ended up working after after I left Factory. Um, We also did a lot of work in the music industry. I had a friend who worked for a record label in Montreal who, um, you know, was working with bands like Sum 41. They also ended up, I ended up working on Metric. I got to work on Corey Hart's Greatest Hits album cover, which he was like my childhood hero growing up. So that was kind of fun. So we really had an eclectic type of work. So it was a lot of design, some tech. I mean, tech back then was a lot of websites, really, is is what it was. So it was a little bit um, less than what we're doing now. But, um, you know, it was good. It's always good to have a good variety of work, keeping things moving, different types of clients coming in. It's always tough to start a business, but you just got to do really great work. So people recognize that and are willing to recommend other people to come come get you to do work for them. Yeah, absolutely. So from a couple of guys to learning along the way, Somehow within the first 24 months, you guys ended up reaching over a million dollars in sales. So how did you acquire some of your first customers and what was your process for that kind of fast growth? Yeah, I think it was a lot of friends and family, a lot of referral, a lot of just really grinding it out, to be honest with you. What you learn from doing your first million in sales really is that not all revenue is equal because we were doing a lot of print and there was a lot of like physical production work that we had that you're generating a fairly significant amount of revenue without any or little profit. So I think back to those days and a million dollars in sales compared to what we're doing now, what the equivalent of a million dollars in sales now looks like for us in a completely digital world. Uh, They're two entirely different things. And, And as much as it sounds like a great number, when you really dig down into the the heart of it, it's it's 
it's a flawed number for running a business. And that's something you don't know when you're young, really, right? You, until you experience that, it's hard for you to know that as a lesson unless you went to business school and, and you learn from a book that that's the case. You're just grinding it out, trying to get money in the door. Not till the end of the year do you look back and go, oh, yeah, we did that. But where's all the money now? It's all gone. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a it's a fun lesson as uh, as young entrepreneurs to learn that uh, you know you need to refine your offerings to to things that are are profitable and when you're going to drive new revenue it's got to be valuable revenue. Absolutely. So I mean, there was a ton of insights there, but what were some of the biggest lessons you learned during that period as a leader? That even when you're young and dumb, you you, you still figure things out with hard work, and you just you get rid of the you know the risk aversion early on. I think is key. I think, you know, you learn to work with a partner. In this case, one partner in particular ended up, it was just the two of us by the time we were really, things were really flying. Partnerships are tough, especially when, when money's tight and everyone's working really hard. It, it's, it's difficult to navigate that personal relationship at the same time as building a business. So you got to be very careful who you pick to go into business with. I'm lucky enough that, you know, now I have a very good relationship with that person. But I think during the early days of that, it was it was it was a strain for sure. So that would be one huge lesson, I think, is is be very careful when you choose a partner, if you're going to choose a partner, you need to have the conversations before things happen. Again, in that case, I think we were so young that we we both had no clue what was about to happen. So I wish we had probably put some mentors in place or we had some of the services that are available now. I mean, we didn't have incubators back then. We didn't have uh, some of these tech centers for startups to go into. There was nowhere for us to really reach out and gather that kind of information. The wealth of information that's available now is unbelievable. And that's um, a test testament to people sharing, but also a testament to some of the government programs that they put into place. And I think I would have been much better off now having started it than I did back then. But I'd say to any young person who's interested in doing it, go and do it, experience it. It may not work out the first time, but you'll learn so much that you'll, you'll just want to keep doing it. Those are some great insights. And it's really cool to hear about what it was like to build an agency before the big tech boom we all see today. Totally different. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Enjoy so what different. you have now. So today you're the CEO of HiFire, which launched in 2009. So can you tell us a bit more about what HiFire is all about and what motivated you to start it? Yeah, so I actually went to work for a video game company right after Factory. Uh, I was the first employee. We grew that company. We raised $32 million, grew it to a team of 160 people. It was a crazy ride, and I really enjoyed the startup of that too. So once that kind of actually turned down, I thought, oh, you know what, I'm, I, I, again, started freelancing and, and freelancing as always, you know, when you do good work, you get more and more work and then you have to find ways to, to do that. And that kind of turned into partnering up with a, another guy to start another agency called Crate in Oakville. And that was very much focused on digital advertising world. Again, I learned the lessons of partnerships are difficult, that in the advertising game, you spend a lot of time and money up front pitching companies for work. So, you know, cash flow was extremely difficult in that business. And we were we were doing 80 percent of the work before you even got the chance to to actually do the work and get paid for the work. So that one, that one was really tough. I, I just think cash flow is such an important part of these businesses. So right after that, I decided it was, uh, you know, time to start my own agency without a partner. 
And again, you know, started as a one man show and just continued to build up and made a really conscious effort to control growth, make sure I had great cash flow. I brought on the right people at the right time, brought on the right clients at the right time and just been methodically going about it. And at the end of the day, after kind of working for yourself for this long, you're basically unemployable by anybody else because I I don't know if I know how to interact properly with, with other leaders or, you know, bosses. So I think it was a natural progression for me to go back into it. My family got a little bit, or, you know, my kids were a little bit older, so I had a little less pressure at home, a little more time to focus on the business. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I really love what I'm doing. I think we've continued to refine our offering into a place that I find really inspiring every day and, and still a challenge. And I love the team that I've built and I love where we're going. So why wouldn't you want to work for yourself and start another agency, really? And taking the lessons that I learned from from the first go rounds has made it a much more comfortable experience for me and a lot less harrowing. It's the right word to use for it, but um, it's been good. And Hamilton's been an interesting choice. I, I kind of started freelancing. It was in Oakville, but I moved back to Hamilton where I grew up. And um, I think Hamilton's in a real boom right now. And I think te- the tech sector is beginning to come around. And I think it's a great chance for us to to solidify ourselves here as one of the leaders in, in Hamilton tech and, you know, give people who are commuting to Toronto, which I did for seven years as well, doing the video game thing, a chance to work work in Hamilton on projects that are equivalent to what they would do when they're going to Toronto every day and working for companies there. If we can bring that and have that here in Hamilton, why wouldn't they want to stay here? So I think I think it's a good spot. It's a good time. We have great clients, great people. It's a, it's a fun time to build it. Yeah, it's really cool to see that you've decided to set up shop in Hamilton and have been able to see all the growth firsthand. I've only been in Toronto myself for about three years, and it's crazy to see you know, just the growth in the last three years. Yeah. And I think, I think what you get in the city is, is a culture. It's rest, great restaurants and art scene, everything else. But that's everything else that's happening now here in Hamilton. And, you know, I, I was the first to say back in 2000 that Hamilton wasn't a great place to do business for this type of business. And um, now I, I think there couldn't be a better place for us to be positioned to offer things. Most of our clients are, are, you know, Toronto-based, uh, all throughout the States, some through Europe. And we're working with some of the biggest companies and, and, and doing some work. We don't talk a lot about being in Hamilton. And when we talk to other people who are here doing business here, they're always often surprised at what we're doing and what we've managed to do here. And, and I think that's, that's a good thing. I think that's, you know, even for when we talk to people in Toronto now, they don't go, oh, you're from Hamilton or you're working in Hamilton. They actually go, oh, that's great. We were just down there. We want to come see you guys. We think it's great. So it's really been a huge swing and, and we're happy to be part of that. That's really cool. So just a deep dive a little bit on what HiFire is all about. Can you tell us about some of the key projects you guys have done or are currently working on? One of our biggest ones, we we started working in the medical marijuana field almost five years ago when it first started here in Canada. And we helped grow one of the first licensed producers in Canada. We built all of their technology stack. We helped them grow to the second largest licensed producer in Canada. They were uh, purchased in January by the biggest producer in Canada, Canopy Growth, for $432 million. We'd like to think that the tech that we built for them had a you know, played a big part in us being able to grow their client base uh, 
as quickly as it did and and feel that that was part of their exit strategy was based around tech. So it really gave us a chance to work with a company who was really focused on the growing side and and really wanted a partner who could come in and handle all the tech side and, and adjust some of their business processes, work with Health Canada to define their business processes and find a way to hit the accelerator on growth. And, um, you know, we learned a ton doing that. We we grew our team a bit around that. Our skill sets, I mean, there's not a lot of other agencies or developers in Canada who have five, six years of experience working in the medical marijuana field. So that, that was fantastic for us. Um, building an online store that was doing a million to a million and a half dollars in sales every month. Uh, we were driving, you know, three million visits to their website a month. So it was huge growth, fast growth. We got to kind of handle all of that side of it, see all that side of it, build out a technology stack that allowed for that type of growth. Saw where our, you know, where the where the wins and the failings were around that, and being able to adjust on the fly. It was that one was a lot of fun, and I think a good feather in the cap for my team here. There's not a lot of companies or developers like us who get to work with a company who gets an exit of that size. So um, that one was a lot of fun. Other stuff we're building, we're, we're building some web, you know, mobile applications, web-based software. We have one at with the YMCA now that uh, is for their daycare, helping them track the students in their, um, you know, let the students and parents connect and the educators connect with them, allow them to track. That one's starting to, to, to have some growth to it as well, which is fun. At the end of the day, we like working on projects that have growth and helping manage that growth and helping companies grow. Because if we have a chance to help our clients grow, we get to grow with them. And we want our clients to be, you know, four, five, six year engagements, 10 year engagements, because it gives us a chance to really dive deep into their business. You know, we've we've also had a chance to build websites like we did for a great Hamilton brand, Collective Arts, the brewery, who has fantastic branding, great content for their website. Got again to work with them on how we connect that that content with their brand and how we distribute it to their audience and and what value are we bringing. So really, at the end of the day, we ha- we try to do a diverse set of work. We we just built a Samsung TV app. We're about to build a Samsung fridge app, which I never thought we'd be doing fridge apps, to be honest with you. But it's a great exposure for our team to to have a chance to do projects that they're maybe not going to see elsewhere. I really love how you guys are positioning yourselves as an agency who are essentially a partner for these companies. It's really fun to see projects from idea to exit. Yeah, thanks. I think we're going to continue to grow too. And that's the the fun part of, of doing this is you kind of, at the end of the day, we have a plan. We have a plan for growth. That plan gets kicked around all the time because anytime you're working with clients, you never know when you're going to win a job, when you're going to win four jobs at the same time. And and you kind of have to manage that stuff. And, you know, you need to keep a a staff that's engaged. So so one of the things we often hear from them are maybe they've had a job in Toronto and maybe they got hired to work at the bank. It's a great example or or one of these other things where they they can affect a lot of change, you know, on a on a daily or yearly basis within what they're doing, where they can come here and affect change on something immediately and affect change on a bunch of different things immediately and continue to build and learn skill sets that they probably wouldn't have got from working elsewhere. So it, it's part of what I think is, a, is our offering to them, to the people who work here, is, is a chance to really explore. And I think in all of us who, who do this type of work, that is why we got into it in the first place is a keen sense of of exploration and desire to learn and and find out new ways to do things and and try something different. Yeah, that sounds awesome. 
So what advice or insights would you have to share with other freelancers or entrepreneurs who are looking to transition from a one-person shop to a full or small agency? I'd say my biggest learning lesson that I continue to get is that you're never going to have all the answers and don't be afraid to go in and face a challenge without the answer. As we continue to go through our growth, as I said, my, my background is is arts and you know I, I have built a couple of companies, both successful and unsuccessfully. But at the end of the day, as we talked about earlier, there's so much great information out there now that when you need to make a major decision or what feels like a major decision, there's plenty of room to do research, plenty of time to do research, plenty of information to research. And go in, but go with your gut. Look for supporting information to your gut instinct. Or if you read something and it feels right, that's probably the right answer. And if it's not, it's not the end of the day. We all make mistakes. Throughout my career, there's been tons of times where I've I've made some pretty significant mistakes. But if you can step up to the plate and you offer a solution to fix that mistake right away, then everything's fixable or everything can be managed. At the end of the day, people hire you for what you're good at and, and no one's perfect. So uh, go in and do your best and, and build confidence around it and build confidence in making decisions and, and learn to make decisions as quickly as possible. Learn on the go is so important. Those are some great insights. So what advice would you have around scaling a studio? You've mentioned briefly referrals, but what else would you focus on? It's kind of a dichotomy between uh, patience and, and pushing. Again, for me, this time around, I wanted I had a very set goal to have very steady cash flow because I know in past cash flow became a distraction and became a constant concern. So I probably wasn't working at my best as a leader. So in this case, I had patience from a cash flow standpoint to make sure I felt in the right place to make the right hire at the right time. And then that other part is making sure when the right person presents itself that you are ready to hire that person. So one of my first hires was uh, Alex Verderman, who works here. And he, you know, has really blossomed into handling a lot of the day-to-day um, workload of running the operations of, a, of an agency. And um, he and I working together in the beginning were, were a great team for just executing great work. And that's the other part that's important to growth, which is do great work. Make sure people are happy. Make sure you have work that you want to show people because by showing people great work, they get excited to work with you. I think that's probably been one of our strengths is we've always, you know, punched a little bit above our weight to make sure that our clients were happy and willing to tell people about us. Because in the beginning, you don't have marketing budget. You don't have a lot of time to go out and meet new clients. So the best way you can build is to have your clients tell their friends and coworkers and, and business, you know, other businesses that you're the right people for them to go work with. And then end of the day, just continue to hire great people who do great work, who also feel the same inspiration for the work that you did and are willing to put in occasionally very hard hours to get a project to a place where it's something you're excited about. This work isn't always going to be sexy. It's not always going to be the big, you know, shiny project that everyone loves working on. There's some real grind projects out there that, um, you know, help generate enough revenue to continue growth. So you got to leave your ego a bit in check at times on what kind of work you're doing, but you still have to enjoy the process because there will be those fantastic projects that continue to come up that you're super excited to 
to do and talk about and share with people. And, um, you know, they, you continue to be really proud of and want to show people. Put those case studies right on your website. Talk about it. Talk about your successes. Talk about your challenges. Tell people about your process. You got you to gotta sure, gotta make sure that clients understand where the value really lies in working with you. And in the case of a great example of Metrum, the medical marijuana one, it was that we want to help you build your business and understand your business because you guys are growing as well. And that we are intrigued by other people's businesses and learning about them and, and, and helping make decisions and helping drive growth. You know, without, without being able to tell that story to people, it, it's really difficult to, to project your true value. Yeah, for sure. It's always about telling your story and showcasing the work on key projects. So how do you define the work that you're doing at HiFire? Because it's not, you know, a traditional agency. And how do you see the world of freelancing continuing to evolve or fitting into this model? Yeah, I think we, we've actually talked quite a bit about it extensively here because we did come from, you know, a more ad agency style business where we had print, we had digital, we, you know, we had a real mix of, of business. And, and I think where we see it going is kind of where we're, we've already headed. We, we see ourselves more as a digital product studio versus uh, an agency. We really focus on things that are about building growth strategies, business strategies, business efficiencies. We like to look a little more internalized and work from inside out rather than looking at how do we build a brand? Do you know what I mean? Like that's, we were talking today actually about, I was, I was doing some research and I'm trying to, I was trying to find other podcasts that talked about our style of agency or our style of studio versus, you know, what's considered a digital agency now, which is someone who does SEO, SEM work. Or I'm going to find something that's on the advertising side. So where do we fit in that niche? Because we're also not an IT company. We may build custom software, but we're not an IT company. So there's that niche right in between, which is is what we were kind of called a digital product studio. I think most people are now that is focused on building growth around business, building growth around, you know, it still is about brand experiences, but it's not advertising in a weird way. So I think there's almost what we're kind of building here are little SEAL teams that can come out and effectively work really hard either within another developer or within a startup that that's you know experiencing growth and needs someone to come in and, and work really closely with them and their development team where we can bring in a certain set of experience and uh, you know knowledge that maybe they don't have. So it is a weird spot and I, I love that question because I don't think it's been clearly defined, but I think we're seeing a real definition. And that has a lot to do with beginning to niche into very specific things. I love the question. I don't know if I actually have the answer, but I think naturally our business is beginning to lead towards the answer. And um, we, we've shed some clients that didn't fit within what our sort of core competencies that we really want to explore were. So I think you'll see guys like myself break off of that from that agency world. We have agency partners that handle the brand stuff, but when it comes to tech, they're not staffing around tech because um, it can be very difficult to have the right people with the right knowledge to do all the projects. I think you'll see really niched experience and, and knowledge sets and, and agencies will tap or other companies or startups will tap sort of those SEAL teams to come in and, and, and fill those gaps. And I think that's great from a freelancer perspective in particular as well, because I think you might even see the solo freelancer experience maybe change a bit into team-based freelance, where you guys can come together or you've worked together before, because part of growing a business and, and doing a project is, is having experience working together, right? If you get a whole bunch of people who've never worked together and, and try 
to build something, there's a bit of a, an upfront team building element to it where you get to learn and experience from each other. I think freelancers can begin to come together in, in teams, whether they're inside a company or not. I think that's going to have huge value going forward. Yeah, I don't know if it's the word agency that people have caught up on these days, but there's some really great points in here about freelancers teaming up and doing their things as an industry continues to develop. So on that note, what's next for yourself in High Fire in 2018? Yeah, so we're we're as I said, we're experiencing growth. We got a couple of great new clients coming on that will be big projects for us. Um, so we're we're continuing to to build our team. We're moving into a new office because as you build teams, you run out of space over and over and over again. So we have a bit of a strategy to get us from where we are now, which I think is going to be fourteen people to thirty. So that's sort of our next jump. That seems to be as far as we can can plan ahead until we hit sort of the next milestone. So really, it's about spending a lot of time working on recruiting great talent here in Hamilton, continuing to make sure our client work is is exciting to all of us here, making sure we have an environment that's great for people to come to work every day, be it from an office and from a culture standpoint. We just we're seeing growth, we want to experience growth, but we also want to be sure that that growth doesn't affect how we're delivering to our clients. So for me personally, it's it's about learning to be a good leader, learning to know my strengths, knowing the, you know, the strengths that I may have to hire the right people to fill because they're going to be way better at it than I am. You know, I, I think we have a lot of fun coming up and I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's going to have its challenges as, as any of this stuff does, but uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to continue to build, build great things in a great company. Yeah, absolutely. It does sound like a ton of fun. And I'm excited to see how that continues to play out for you and the team over the coming months. So as you mentioned a few minutes ago about continuing to scale or becoming a better leader, what resources do you keep coming back to or recommend to others? Yeah, I think um, I, I think like your guys, the podcasts right now are, are there's a lot of great podcasts out there with a lot of people sharing a lot of great information. I think when you can find people willing to discuss not only the good stuff, but the tough stuff. You have to, you have to see both those sides. And I think podcasts have been awesome for that. Push you guys to continue to, to, to do this because it is a huge resource. And Google your question. <laughs> it's a great way to find a, a whole bunch of resources. If you have a question, Google it. There's a lot of answers out there. You have to wade through a lot of information and, and decide what's what's good information and bad information. But generally, you start to get a sense. And then end of the day, put everything into practice and continue to push forward, no matter what you're learning, where you're learning it from, drive forward and, uh, and don't worry about making mistakes and, and don't let it shake confidence and keep pushing. But this is the day of information. You know, the other day I was on the Mars website and they've got a great amount of information on there that uh, I keep coming across and look for those resources. So throughout the course of the episode, you've shared some insight on a ton of different things, but do you have any final thoughts or words of advice to leave us with? Yeah, I think the one thing I learned that was really important is that I don't have the answers. I don't have all of them. In fact, often right off the cuff, I don't have any of the answers, but I figured out a way to to learn and keep learning and putting it into practice. And I'd say don't be put off by not having the answers. Don't be put off by thinking you shouldn't be doing something or you're not worthy of, of being there or that someone's so much better at something than you are. It's really we're all in the same playing field. We're all human beings. Everyone's got their uh, their upsides and their downsides, and we're all working with it. And just do your best and work hard. Absolutely. Couldn't think of a better way to end the episode. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It was awesome to have you on the show. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys have a great podcast. Thank you.
you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear about it and have you share with friends. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at hack to start or drop us an email, hey at hacktostart.com. You can also subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes by finding Hack to Start on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.